Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing our study through the book of Philippians. Uh, so we're going to be in the book of Philippians again this morning. But uh, it's a new year. We've got a, we've got a new year in a... How many, how many of you guys have heard this saying, new year, new me? How many of you guys have said that, new year, new me? Steve was the only one. Anybody else? New year, new me. Uh, but with the new year comes New Year's goals and New Year's resolution. Anybody made a New Year's resolution yet? Anybody got a couple of those? Yep. PJ's got one. Wally, nothing? No. All right. Just checking. <laughs> Listen, and, and here's the thing. Statistically, most, most of your New Year's resolutions are going to fail because we just don't stick to them. There's, there's just not a lot of them. And today... Um, I'd be a, I would be a horrible pastor if I did not attempt to make the Bible line up and help you achieve some personal goals in your life. And I'd be, here's, here's, here's why I would be a horrible pastor. If I tried to line the Bible up to say, hey, you can make your business better. You can make your fitness life better. Because the scriptures aren't designed to try to match up with your plans. Your plans are supposed to match up with or, you are supposed to match up with the scripture, not the scripture match up with you. I got that right. There we go. And so as we continue to read through this, I want us to look at this through the lenses of a new year and, and seeing what God's plan is for us as believers. And, and so we continue this and we look at chapter three. We're going to see what Paul's goals were and how he tells the reader here to make their goal, what, what their goals should be. So Paul has a goal himself. Paul has a, a plan to make, make something happen, to achieve something, and he relays that to the reader as well to let them know this is what you're supposed to do as a follower of Christ. And so, um, and like I said at the end of last week's sermon, um, there's a massive difference between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. There are cultural Christians who identify. I know we, we live in a world where everybody wants to identify as whatever they want to identify as. And, and there's a lot of people in the world that want to identify as a Christian, but they live culturally anti-Bible. And so we have to understand that there is a massive difference between identifying culturally as a Christian and actually being a biblical follower of Christ Jesus. There's a stark difference uh, between those two things. And so if you remember last week in verses 11 through or 9 through 11 Paul tells us that he longs he longs to be found in Christ he longs to know Christ he has a desire to want to know the Lord Jesus Christ in fact verse 9 says and to be found in him having not a righteousness of my own but the righteousness that comes where through faith in Christ. So the desire is to know Christ, is to be, to be intimately under understanding of who he is and to follow him in his suffering all the way up to death that he might be able to share not only in the life, but the death and as a result as the resurrection of who Christ is. So today, Paul's going to go a little bit deeper into the text to help us understand what our goals as Christians should be. So this is called exegetical preaching. So we're going verse by verse. We're going, we're literally going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the entire book. And so that's our, our goal here is we're going to start in verse 12. Um, so let's go. 
little bit of work today. Not that I have obtained, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he starts off, he launches off in this. Remember, he's, he's talking about trying to know Christ, to want to intimately know Christ, want to follow Christ, want to be Christ's everything. I want to be right at the feet of Christ. That's his idea here. And he says, listen, not that I've already obtained this. He's like, listen, I haven't got there yet. Anybody in the room perfect? Ronnie or Alan, I, I listen, I, I saw you smile. All right. Is he? Okay. Just checking. I just check. I just double check not that I've obtained it. So Paul says, I haven't either. I'm not perfect. Not that I've already obtained it. But, here's the caveat. I press on to make it my own. Make what? My faith. Make my faith my own. Because why? Christ Jesus has made me his own. The idea here is this idea of running a marathon. Even though experientially, we as Christians have not obtained the prize of being perfect in Christ likeness in this life just as in a marathon a runner is going to rate listen any runners in the room anybody Dan you still doing any running yeah. here and there you still there's marathon runners I know Amy's been Amy's run marathons and gone all over literally all over the world running marathons and, and so the idea here is the, is the idea of running a marathon you, you press towards the goal, towards the finish line. That's the idea. In a race, it doesn't matter how you start. What matters in a race? How you, how you finish the thing. Listen, there's a lot of people, when the, when the pop gun goes off, they're like, yep, I got this. And they're ready to go. They're just fired off. But then you get in to the end of the marathon, and what people, when, when they leave the, the starting line, they're all like, yeah. By the time you get to the finish line, it's just, you're dying, right? You're struggling to get across the line. Listen, I, there's a reason I don't run marathons. I'm just saying, it's not, it's not my thing. I, I did in high school, but I, I'm, not that, I'm not high school anymore. 44-year-old Caleb doesn't run marathons. If I'm running, you should run too. That means there's something chasing us. Just letting you know. But the idea here is, is to press towards the goal and press towards the finish line. That's the idea. Stephen Furtick, or I'm sorry, Stephen, wow, Stephen Farrar, who is uh, a men, who was, I apologize, who was a men's pastor, he just actually passed away. He was in Texas, wrote a book called Finishing Strong. And this is what he wrote in this book. He says, guys who finish strong, guys who finish strong or to quote the old hymn, stayed upon Jehovah. And guys who stayed upon Jehovah constantly do four things. They stay in, they stay close, and they stay away, and they stay alert. They stay in what? Well, they stay in the scriptures. They stay close to a friend who they can't con. I love that. They stay close to a friend that they can't con, they can't fool, they can't pull the wool over their eyes and they stay away from or keep the distance from other women who are not their wives that could go ladies that could be the same way on the other side and they stay alert to the schemes of the enemy 
This idea applies to all believers. I know the book was geared towards men. But listen, this idea applies to all of us who claim to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to watch a race, when those pistols go off, everyone's excited in the beginning. Everyone's ready to go. Everybody's excited. But man, what matters is how you cross the finish line. What matters is how you finish. Are you going to finish strong? Are you going to finish going all the way in? That was what Paul said about I. I fought the good fight. I have run the race. That's the idea here is to fight and to go hard here. In all, in, in all of this, this race that's called Christianity, the Christian life, these ideas help us keep our eyes on the prize, our eyes on the path. We keep our eyes focused on what's ahead. We as Christians need to keep our focus on what's What's in front of us, that idea of being stayed upon Jehovah, just our focus, our, our laser-like focus on Christ, and to run consistently. Don't be inconsistent with the run, be consistent in your run. We might not always be running, but we're moving forward. Like there's, there's times where you see people in the run in a race where they're, they're moving forward, but man, it's not very fast. And that's OK. That's OK. You're still moving in a forward trajectory. A forward move. That's the idea here in this text when he, when he says, I haven't obtained it yet. I'm not perfect. But this is what I am doing. I'm pressing on to make this my own. I'm making my faith genuinely my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because Christ has made me his own. Because he's loved me. Because he's bought me with a price. Man, I'm going to do what I need to do. And that is going to be stayed upon Jehovah, focused on him, looking directly at who he is and to follow him. And then he continues, he reiterates in verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize upon the call of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, my goodness. We've got, we've, so oftentimes, we can, we can start to look back at the past, and we can do twofold thing. We can do a twofold idea here. We can look back at the past at how good we used to be. And look, as some of y'all start telling your stories, I like to call it embellishing, because I'm not going to say, I'm not going to call you a liar, but um, you embellish a little bit, man, when I, was in, when I played football in high school. How many of you guys ever, okay, let's just, how many of you guys ever watched uh, Napoleon Dynamite? It was a, remember that? Remember Uncle Rico sitting on... The porch. Uncle Rico sitting on the porch. He's like, man, if coach had put me in fourth quarter, man, I would have made, we would have made state. I would have gone pro. I'd be living it up in a hot tub with my soulmate. Remember, and he's, remember he's sitting on the porch of his, of his sister's house, watching his nephews. Because where he lives in a van, not down by a river, but he lives in a van. In a field, practicing. Remember what he does? He's out there throwing the ball, pretending like he's the man, trying to work up a, a pro shot. That's what, some of us can. Oh man, if I could just get back to where I was, if I could just get back to the guy I used to be, if I could just get back in this spot, man, I could. If I could just, if I had just gotten in that group, then I'd be okay. If I had just gone to that church, it'd been okay. If I had just gotten married to this person, I would have been okay. If I just could have done this, I would have been okay. And we sometimes we can look back. And we lose sight of what's to come. We look back and forget, man, forget what's ahead. We're looking back. I'll never forget Austin was little. 
And my mom had this tree in the middle of her yard. Austin was probably three or four. And he was running through the backyard and he had this thing. When he started to run, he would run and he would do this. As he was, I mean, and I'm going slow. I'm running slow. But he would go at breakneck speed. And he was running through my mom's backyard. Head turned, head cocked, running forward, but looking back. And smacked into this tree and just busted his face all kinds of up. That's the idea here. Brothers, I don't consider this that I've made it my own, but here's the one thing I do. I'm forgetting the past. I forget the past. Now, that, I said twofold, remember? Sometimes we can think we're better in the past. And sometimes what we can do is we can look back on our past, and our past can paralyze us from getting to where we need to be in the future. Oh, golly, I'm such a, I was such a mess. Yeah, you may have been. Man, if you've repented and trusted in Christ, stop looking at the past. My dad used to say, the past is prologue. Can any of us get in the, in the DeLorean flux capacitor to that thing and go back? Anybody want to? Listen, you can't change your past. But here's what you can do. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can forget the past and you can strain forward, look forward to what's ahead. Look ahead and say, okay, that's who I was I'm not a fan of who I was, or maybe I was a fan of who I was, but by God's grace, I want to be what God's called me to be. I want to be in the future version of me. I want it to be the guy that God's called me to be, the gal that God's called me to be. So what do I do? I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's God's call for your life? Caleb, I don't know what that is. You You find that by studying God's word. Don't, don't, don't get hung up on the past. Figure out what's going on in, the fr- in front of you. And in context, what's the prize? The prize is to know Christ. To be Christ-like. That's the idea, is that we would know Christ and know Him well. That we would strive to understand, follow, and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, that's, that's crazy in, in my mind. As we as believers would forget to try to strive towards Christ and we try to get distracted with all the other things. We're called to know the Lord Jesus Christ. David calls it out in Psalms 27 verse 4. He says, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I would seek after and that I would dwell in his house, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to be able to look upon his beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is the king. The king had one desire. Listen, did he get off-railed sometimes? Yep. Did he commit adultery? Yep. Did he commit murder? Yep. But guess what? He had a broken and contrite heart over that sin, and God forgave him. His overarching desire was what? I want to know you. I want to I seek after you. I want to know you, and I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your house all the days of my life. This was a prayer of the king. He could have asked God for anything. He was... What the scriptures call David. He's a man after God's own heart, right? He's seeking to, to, des- to desire to know who God is. He wants God to reveal himself or to uncover himself and show himself in your life. That's what the idea in this text is. Is that you would reveal, that God would reveal himself and uncover himself and ex- just say, listen, here's what it means to know me. Here's what it means to fellowship. Here's what it means to follow Christ. 
above all else. Jesus says Matthew chapter 20 or Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. The the goal is not to seek after the other stuff. The goal is what? Put Christ in the preeminent spot. Put Christ at the top shelf. Put Christ as number one. And everything else will just fall in line as it should. Although this should be the norm, sadly, in 2023 America, um, it's not. It reminds me of Hebrews chapter 5. Because here's the deal. Most people identify, like I said, sitting in rooms like this, most people in the room identify as Christians. They want to say, yep, I'm a Christian. Why? Well, because I grew up Christian. I grew up, my mom and dad were Christians. My grandma was Christian. So I, my aunt was a Christian. Okay, what does it look like? Does Christ live in you? Have you been bought with the blood? I'll never forget that conversation my dad had with a guy in my living room. Looked at him and he said, have you been bought with the, have you been bought with the blood? Has Christ paid for you? He goes, man, I hope so. Well, listen, you can know so. You can know so, not by the authority of Pastor Caleb, but the authority of God's word, that you can be bought with a price. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. But in 2023 America, I think a lot of people in the church line up with Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through 14. Listen to this. About this, we have much to say. But it's hard to explain. This is Paul writing as well. It's hard to explain since you have become so dull of hearing For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Right? But solid food is for the mature. Like this is the idea for the mature. That's the idea in the the text. For those who have power to discern, training to be consistent and practice and distinguish good from evil. And Paul echoes this in verse 15 of Philippians 3. He says, let those who are mature think this way. Let those who are mature think this way. And if anyone of you thinks otherwise, God will reveal himself to you. Like, this is what it looks like to be a long-term follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be seeking after Christ. You should be wanting to study this word. Listen, if I, if I only spent a few hours a month with my wife, how would that relationship go? If I only talked to Jamie an hour Hour 45 a month. How would that work out? Anybody? It's not, it's not going to go well. If I don't communicate with her, if I don't tell her how things are going, I don't communicate my heart to my wife, there's going to be a problem. And some of you are like, man, I, God's not speaking to me. It's because you're not trying to commune with him. You, you're, you don't, you're not interested. You're, you're still a, you're, you're a baby. You're a baby in this thing. And, and here's the thing. This is what it looks like to be a long-term believer. Those who are mature, they're going to think this way. What? They think about dwelling in the house of the Lord. They're going to think about wanting to seek and know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if 
if you're pursuing other things, you need to repent of that. You need to, if you're chasing after something else, if Christ, I've, I've said it a hundred million times here, good things, when they replace the best thing, become wicked things. That, that's the truth. A good thing, when it replaces the best thing, becomes an evil thing. And so if you're pursuing other things that, you, that are on top of or more important than Christ, you need to repent of those things and, and remove those from your life. And then you need to get on the path to chase the Lord Jesus Christ with absolute fervor, with absolute just singular focus. Like I said, this should be the norm in 2020. Like in churches, this should be the norm that we love and chase and follow after Jesus. But this is the idea in Hebrews chapter 5. Paul's saying here that those who have been in Christ for decades should be able to do more for themselves. Like, this is the idea. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you're still saying, I need somebody else to teach me just the basic stuff about God. That's a problem. He says, we're trying to explain this. It's hard to explain. But you've become so dull of hearing. You've become so comfortable in your positions. You've become so comfortable in your seats. You ought to be, you ought to be teaching. But why aren't you teaching? Well, Scripture says you're still a child. That, that's a problem. Okay, let me exa- I'm going to throw on Austin under the bus again. Let's just say, when Austin was little, he sat at my table in a little special seat. And I'd take a spoon and I'd, all right, Bubba, open your mouth. It's time to eat. Here here you go. This is good for you. You need to eat it. I know it looks gross. But it's good for you. just, Just eat it. It's okay. Austin's now 18. If... If I'm still spoon-feeding Austin, there's a problem, right? That we know that there's an issue here. This is the idea in the text that, listen, some of you have been in church for 40 years. Some of you have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years. And you're still like, well, I just need, just give me just the basic gospel, Caleb. I need you to feed me. There's a problem if I'm, if you've been in church for 50 years and I'm still, and you still need, well, pastor, like, listen. I've been in church my whole life. My dad was a pastor, and I watched meetings unfold in my dad's living room where people would pound on the table in my dad's room, in my dad's living room or kitchen. He'd say, they'd say, Pastor, it's your job to feed me. And dad would look at them and say, I got a question for you. How long have you been in church? Well, I've been going to church for 30 years. You're 30, you're 30 years old in Christ and you can't feed yourself? That's a problem. If you're 30 years old in Christ and you can't feed yourself, there is a problem. Amen? Now, here's the thing. I'm going to give grace for those that are, babies should be, there's a time. There's a time to feed. Listen, there was a time I fed Austin. There was a time I fed Hannah. There was a time I did that. I, I fed them and helped spoon feed them. But listen, there's a time as a new believer in Christ that I spoon feed you the gospel. I spoon feed you theology. I spoon feed you the doctrines of grace. But here comes a point where you've got to stand on your own. And how do, how do I have the authority to say that? Because God's word says so. Mature believers, that's what the text says, 
Let those who are mature think this way. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Let those who are mature think this way. Only let us hold true to what we've obtained. Oh my goodness, this is so important. This is absolutely, vitally important. It is. The idea here is that the longer we are Christians, we should be growing in our faith. The longer you are in Christ, the stronger you should become in your faith. The more independent you should come in your faith. Where you Listen, I need the pastor to tell me what this is. No, you should be able to understand theology. For Christians, if you're a Christian, you should be reading this on a daily basis. If this is the only time you open this book, I'm probably going to say you're probably not a Christian. That's the truth. Not from my perspective, but from God's word. If this is the only room, you're like, well, I got to blow the dust off. Got to go to church again. And this is the only time you're pursuing Christ is in this room. You probably need to be saved. You probably need to be saved. The idea here is the longer you're a Christian, the longer you're in Christ, you should be strong in your faith. You should grow. This idea is is continued to be teased out in verse 16. He says, only let us hold true to what we've obtained. Seeking God, that's the idea. Let us obtain this. Seeking God and being mature in our faith. Let, Let us hold true to what we've obtained. What have we obtained? Salvation. So we've been saved by grace through faith. We need to grow in the in holiness. We just sang about it. That idea that these kids are saying about is not something that should be, well, that's a kid's song, that's cute. No, that should be for us 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little heart, who you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Right? That's the idea is... Pursue holiness. That idea of pursuing and being holy is laughed at in Christendom today. Well, you're being a Pharisee, Caleb. You're being really uh, legalistic. No, that's not legalistic. That is biblical. Biblical to follow after holiness, to follow after the truth of who God is. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And if you're not pursuing those things, you probably need to repent of your sins and be saved. Not on my word, but God's word. That's the truth. One of the ways, and listen, look at verse 17. Keep going. Brothers, join in imitating me as I keep my eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, brothers, sisters, listen, join in imitating me. Paul says, imitate me. He says that again in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. One of, listen. One of the ways that you can become more mature in your faith is by surrounding yourself with people who are mature in their faith. If I sit and surround myself with those who are interested in advancing worldly things, if I sit around and advance and sit around with people that all they want to do is make just inappropriate jokes and just temporal ideas and just... They're not interested in anything but this present life, this present world. That's what my focus is going to be. 
Because that's who I surround myself with. Who you surround yourself with is who you will become. If I surround myself with people who are imitating Christ, guess what? By default, I'm going to grow too. Because I'm going to have a desire to want to do the same kind of thing. But if I'm doing my own thing and I'm out here and I'm getting with all the other, oh, I'm going to hang with the boys. What are you all going to do? You know, going to drink beer, ride around the boat and just hang out. What are you going to talk about? I don't know what we're going to talk about. Probably some women. Probably my guns. Probably this. Am I, am I anti-gun? Am I anti-woman? No, I got gun. I got guns. I got a woman. I like them both. Right? Equally, yeah. I'm just, people, Caleb, you're being silly. I'm trying to make a point here. I'm trying to help you guys understand this. That this is the idea that what we should be doing is that what you surround yourself with. If I'm surrounding myself with men who desperately love the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to want that too because that's the example that's set for me. But if I'm sitting around with guys that have no desire to pursue Christ, guess what? By default, neither will I. Why? Because when you get in the group and you start saying, hey man, guess what I read in the Bible today? You know what they're going to be like? Why did you open the Bible? Really? What's the point of that? That's dumb. Don't get religious. You know what my dad, my dad used to be in a country western band. He traveled the circuit, played in the country western band and, and bars and dives and all, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Missouri. He traveled. And he got saved. And he went back to this guy's in the band, pleaded with them to repent of their sins and trust Christ. You know what they said? Gordon, you done got religion. It's ruined you. You're no fun anymore. Guess what? He vacated that space. He left that space. Why? Because he had a desire to pursue what was better. He saw this as not a temporary. This life is temporary. It's not permanent. You are going to die one day. So, well, not me, Caleb. I'm, I'm doing good. Listen, I've done a couple of funerals just in the last two weeks. You don't know when it's coming for you. Amen? You don't know when it's coming for you. Oh, I got, I got, I'm going to make it to 90. Well, God willing, yeah. But you might not. So surround yourself with people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Put this focus on. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and him crucified. This should be our singular focus. That Christ would be our desire. That Christ would be our one idea. Leonard Ravenhill wrote in his book, Why Revival Tarries. Listen to this. If this doesn't get you motivated, your motivator's broke. If this doesn't convict you, your convictor's broke. Listen to this. Oh, that believers would become eternally conscious. If we could live every moment of every day under the eye of God. If we did every act in the light of the judgment seat. If we sold every article in the light of the judgment seat. If we prayed every prayer in the light of the judgment seat. If we tithed all of our possessions in the light of the judgment seat. If preachers prepared every sermon with one eye on the damned human and the other on the judgment seat. Then, then we would have a Holy Ghost revival that would shake the earth. And that in and of itself, not, not, all, not at all, it would liberate millions of precious souls. Oh, the Holy Ghost revival that would shake the earth. 
and would liberate millions of souls. So as 2023 starts, we're in week two of 2023. Here's my challenge for us as believers. Let's grow in our faith. You say, how do I do that? This is my challenge. When you make plans to attend worship, believe this is believer. Go all in. Pray for your church on the way to church. Pray for your Sunday school teachers. Pray for the music service. Pray for the pastors, the elders, the deacons. Pray for those that are trying to lead you to the feet of Christ. This is, a, this is going to be a tough one. Leave your phone in the car. But Caleb, I might need my phone. Leave your phone in the car. Pick up an actual Bible. Take it with you into church. Grab a pen and a notebook when you go into church. And when your pastor says, turn with me in the Bible, actually turn there. Actually turn there, expecting to hear from God. And then write down what God's telling you. Write down what you learn. You say, okay, I don't know how to do that. Listen, we provide you. This is, I mean, this is a tiny little notebook. You can write notes. Listen, statistically, if you write down what you listen to, you're more, actually, you're more likely to remember it. Every motivational seminar I've ever been to, they tell you, make sure write, make, make notes. Why? Because you're more likely to remember what you write down. Open your notebook, open your Bible, and write down what you learn. Be engaged in the service. Now, I know this is another one that you guys are going to struggle with. Sing loudly. Well, Caleb, I, I have a horrible voice. The Bible never says you've got to have a pretty voice. It says make a joyful noise. It can be out of tune. Sing loudly. Pray. Pray as if your life depended on it because it just might. Ask God to fall on you in a fresh new way as you open and read his word. And make the commitment not to allow distractions to rule you when you come into corporate worship. Man, that happens to us. And listen, I could be guilty of it, man, but this is called, this is one of the fruits of the spirit. Self-control. Caleb, I might miss something on my social media feed. I gotta, you're boring anyways. I gotta scroll Facebook. Listen, you will be responsible for what you should have heard if you had been listening. You come into worship and you ignore what you're in here hearing, you will be responsible for what you should have been listening to. There will be an account, there will be a day where you will stand in front of God and you say, Caleb, I don't like that idea. Well, coming to worship can be dangerous. Because there will be a day you will stand before God and give an account. You, you listen, you ain't going to look to your mom. You ain't going to look to your dad. I'm not going to look to my mom. Mom, dad, where are you? I need help. Help me out. You're standing in front of God alone. Giving an account for what you were supposed to know. And if you were just ignoring not paying attention and not caring, that's a problem. Make the commitment not to allow distractions to rule you as you come into corporate worship. Make worship and hearing from God the priority to know, to know Him. Make that the priority. 
And listen, we just might experience what Brother Ravenhill talked about. Then we would have Holy Ghost revival that would shake this earth. And that, in no time at all, would liberate millions of souls. Oh. So as we launch out into 2023... We need to commit to move towards the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to know him on an intimate level. To love him on an intimate level. Not to have head knowledge of him. James 2.19 says the demons in hell believe in God. 90% of people in America believe in God. Ray Comfort and George Barna's research say that 90% of people sitting in the pews are going to hell. That's not outside the church. That's in the walls. That's research that's been done by smarter people than me. 90%, 9 out of 10 of people in the pew are going to hell. That should terrify us. That should drive us to our knees to say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to pursue you. God, I want to be with you. I want to know you. Is this guy ever going to shut up? I got things to do today. I got things to do today. Oh, listen. Time is growing short. Caleb, we're good. We're good. Listen, I believe the Lord's coming, but guess what? I'm telling you, as I get older and older and older, I start to realize I'm going to die one day. And I don't know what my appointment date is, but I know that the scripture says before the foundation of the world, my appointment was set. I've got a beginning date and I've got an end date and God knows what it is. Thank God, I don't know what it is. But man, it's this, this idea in the text should drive you to your knees in repentance and say, God, please, I want to know you. And I, I have, how do I get to know you? Well, the text tells us. Well, here's the deal. Verse 18 Because remember, in context, we're talking about those that know Christ. Verse 18, For many whom I have often told you about, now I tell you even more with tears, and they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So this is talking about people that used to say they knew Christ. Oh, I know Jesus. Man, listen, I have followed pastors and musicians and all these other guys that say they love Jesus for many years, and now they don't anymore? What happened? Well, 1 Peter 2.19 tells us what? Or I'm sorry, 1 John 2.19, not 1 Peter. 1 John 2.19 tells us what? They left us so that it may be plain. They never were part of us. They never were with us. So they're now enemies of the cross. Listen, the, the end of their destination... Their God is their belly. This is the end of their, their, their destruction is to come. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, and their minds are set on earthly things. Listen, we've got to get our minds off of earthly things, and we've got to get our minds on Christ. But then in verse 20, here's the good news. Woo, here comes the good news. We talked about this in Sunday school. Get yourself fired up. But our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform us out of this lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's coming a day. Look at this. You are not a citizen of this world. The scripture calls you an alien. If you're in Christ, this is is exclusively for those that are in Christ. And listen, not everyone is a child of God. Well, everyone's a child of God, Caleb. No, no, they're not. 
Here's the truth. Everyone's a creation of God, but only a select few are the children of God. And listen, he, you could be one if you want. Amen? You can be one if you want. God's in the adoption business. How do you get there? Repent of your sins and trust the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins and trust the gospel. And then what? Your citizenship, where is it going to be landing at? Your citizenship will be in heaven. And what are you waiting for? A savior who's going to transform you. Ooh. That should be our singular focus as we go into 2023. Get your eyes off things that are earthly. Get your eyes off that bank account. Stop looking. Because trust me, that's fixing to go away too. Just look, look at the news. Hashtag digital currency. That's coming. Bye-bye. My savings account in 401k. It's gone. Well, Caleb, that's chipper. Yeah, you should. What? You're into this on really bad news, Caleb. You're saying that we could possibly lose our money? You're gone. It's all going to burn. Scripture says at the end of this, it's all gone. What do you put your focus on? Put your focus on Christ. Stay upon Jehovah. Look to him as the author and the perfecter of your faith. What should you resolve to know? As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Oh, that's the, that's the goal, ladies and gentlemen. To know Christ. And when you know Christ, your citizenship is in heaven. That's, like, listen, that's the good news. That this is not the end. This ain't your home. This isn't your permanent home. That, this thing you're in, can I get an amen from somebody? That ain't your, this, this body ain't your permanent home. You say, okay, my body's doing pretty good. Just give it a couple years. You'll, wait, you'll hurt yourself in your sleep. Anybody? You wake up, golly, how'd I do that? I don't know. Were you in a fight last night? Maybe, I don't know. It happens. You young bucks over here, yeah. Look at me. It's coming for you. But you need to know Christ. Make him the preeminent thing. This is how we grow. Surround ourselves with those that love Christ. Surround yourself with his word. And get it. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm I'm not stupid to think that some of y'all in here aren't saved. If you've not truly repented of your sins, you say, what's a sin? Ten Commandments. Basic entry to morality. Lie, steal, disobey your parents. That's just three. If you, if you break the law, you deserve God's wrath. And all of us have broken the law, so we all deserve God's wrath, but God doesn't leave you there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How do you get there? Repent of that sin. Trust the gospel. Trust the Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that work was enough to save you. That's what you trust in today. Trust Him, and He will do the rest of the work. Amen?